Today we are beginning a new worship series. It's only three weeks long, and it's entitled Wisdom Literature. We're going to be looking at the book of Proverbs for two weeks and then moving on to the book of Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament. There's a story about a younger man who was in the financial industry and unexpectedly appointed to become president of the company. He was excited, but also a little bit leery, and so he went to the chairman of the board and asked for his advice. He said, sir, what is your secret to success? And the man responded with two words, right decisions. Yes, sir, that is very helpful, but how do I make right decisions? man responded with one word, experience. Yes, sir, I understand in order to make right decisions, I need experience, but I'm relatively young. How do I gain that experience? And the chairman of the board responded with two final words, wrong decisions. (laughs) Isn't that life? It's a tough teacher. Life gives the test first, and then it teaches the lesson. And most of what we learn is through the school of hard knocks. We make wrong decisions that lead to experience and ultimately right decisions. You may feel like the person who said, if you're supposed to learn from your mistakes, I should be a genius by now. But one philosopher said, the wise person learns from the experience of others. The normal person learns from their own experience, and the foolish never learn. Well, our goal over the next three weeks is to discover how to acquire God's wisdom and to learn from the experience of other godly men and women. This week, we're beginning with an overview of wisdom literature in general and Proverbs in particular, and next week, we'll delve into more specific themes and Proverbs in the book. And our goal is to learn from the experience of others so that we can make some right decisions as God's people. Our scripture lesson is the introduction to the book of Proverbs. Chapter 1, beginning with verse 1, we hear this. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance. For understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but fools despise knowledge and instruction. Amen. The Old Testament book of Proverbs was written by a number of different authors, but traditionally it has been ascribed for the most part to King Solomon. As Reverend Sarah was talking with the children, Solomon was the son of King David. And when his father died, he ascended to the throne. In many ways, under Solomon's rule, Israel reached its zenith of power. But Solomon was a young man. And in 2 Chronicles, we're told God came to him and said, ask what you want and you will receive it. Can you imagine getting a blank check signed by the Lord God Almighty? And I really did appreciate our children's altruistic responses up here on the stage. Come on. 
They want toys, they want horses, <laughs> they want a mini bike, they want a trampoline. There's all sorts of things we would want, but Solomon asked for knowledge to rule the people. And God was so impressed by his response, he gave him everything else as well. And Solomon became known as the wisest person in history. I heard a variation on the story of how a dean was leading a faculty meeting at a very prestigious Ivy League school when an angel appeared and said because of the dean's exemplary behavior, God would grant him whatever he wanted, wealth, wisdom, or beauty. And without hesitation, the dean chose wisdom. And the angel said, let it be so, and disappeared. And there the dean stood with this glow and aura about him. And finally, one of the faculty members whispered, say something. And the dean, with his newfound knowledge, said, I should have picked the money. Because <laughs> he's wise now. Never mind. <laughs> the book of Proverbs is designed to teach us about godly... Y'all threw me off. I thought that was the funniest joke. <laughs> it's designed to teach us about godly wisdom, and that is essential to living the Christian life. And there are all sorts of different ways to define wisdom, but this is the working definition I have today. Wisdom is both knowing and doing God's Word and will. It's applied knowledge. It's both figuring out what God wants and then going out and accomplishing it. And that application part is important. Later in the New Testament, the book of James says, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done from humility that flow out of wisdom. But I would add a third element to defining wisdom. It's knowing and doing God's word and will, here's the third part, and knowing when to do it. And I think that third facet is why we have so many different proverbs in the English language that are contradictory. Let me give you a few examples. Here's one. If at first you don't succeed, try, try again. But don't butt your head against a wall. Both of those are true at particular times in our life. Here's another example. Haste makes waste, but time waits for no one. It's better to be safe than sorry, but nothing ventured, nothing gained. Don't put off till tomorrow what you can do today, but don't cross a bridge until you get to it. Wisdom is knowing what and how and when to live out God's word and God's will in our lives. Proverbs also teaches us that just as God made the world with physical laws, there are also spiritual principles. And the wise person learns these principles and lives accordingly. Our children in elementary, middle, and high school take science classes and learn about the physical laws of our world. I saw a meme a while back. It said, gravity. It's not a suggestion, it's the law. I don't know why, that just tickled me. <laughs> Children don't have to understand Newtonian physics, however, to get the law of gravity. If you go to the edge of the stage and step off, gravity takes hold. 
the Bible teaches us there are spiritual principles, and if you live and learn and live them, your life reflects God's wisdom in your life. And here's just a sampling. We'll get into this deeper next week. First is discipline leads to knowledge. Hard work leads to prosperity. Those who are generous and give away gain. Parents set appropriate boundaries for their children at various ages and stages of their life. Ultimately, the good triumph and the evil perish. The challenge is that we are not born or even born again with God's wisdom. It's something we have to acquire over time, and part of the challenge is some of it does not make earthly sense. It's counterintuitive. There's a verse that repeats itself in Proverbs that says, there's a way that seems right to human beings whose end is in death. I learned this whole idea of counterintuitive knowledge in an unexpected way in my own life back in 1997 when we bought our very first used boat. I had these wonderful visions of cruising down the lake on a weekend with the sun out, the wind blowing through my hair, the Beach Boys and Jimmy Buffett playing in the background. I had never operated a boat before, but what could be so difficult? You point it in the right direction and you push the throttle forward, right? Wrong. I do not have time today to recount all of my misadventures on the water, including one time literally almost sinking the blessed thing, which is hard to do with modern boats. But what I discovered first off is it's hard to get the blessed boat into the water to begin with. If you've never backed a boat trailer before, it truly is counterintuitive. You steer the truck right and the trailer goes left. You steer the truck left and the trailer goes right. And if you want an afternoon's entertainment, go out to a boat ramp and watch a novice attempt this. Somebody finally taught me a simple trick. Take your hand, place it at the bottom of the steering wheel, and whatever way your hand goes, the trailer will go as well. I don't know why it is so, but it works. The same is true with a lot of the lessons that Proverbs specifically and God's Word in general teach us. From the world's point of view, they don't make sense. Consider just a few of the things that Jesus said. If you want to save your life, you have to lose it. If you want to be a leader, you have to be a servant. If you want to gain, you have to give it all away. And we slowly learn this wisdom that may well be counterintuitive to human common sense through God's word and God's will. Now, God wants to give us wisdom. In fact, one of the prominent uh, graphics in Proverbs is that wisdom is portrayed as a prophetess standing on the corner calling, begging people to come and partake of God's wisdom. But any teacher knows you also need to have a student who wants to learn. Listen to Proverbs chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. It says, If you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, 
If you look for it for, as for silver and search for it as hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. In grammar, this is known as a conditional statement. If, then. If you do this, then this will occur. And I want you to hear the verbs used in Proverbs. Call out, cry aloud, look, seek, search, hunger, thirst. Those verbs do not describe a casual flirtation, but a passionate pursuit of God's word and will in our lives. That we seek for it, that we search for it. Imagine that you're cleaning out your house and in the attic or in the basement, you find a map from a previous owner describing where precious treasure has been buried in your backyard. What do you do? I'm thinking you go buy a metal detector, a shovel, and you start digging. It's there to be found. And there's this promise that comes along with this statement that God will give, that God eagerly seeks for us to attain wisdom, to know how to live in this world, to apply these spiritual principles. Jesus told his disciples, and the specific context was about prayer, but it has much wider application, that if you ask, it will be given to you. If you seek, you will find. If you knock, the door will be open because all who ask receive, all who seek find, and all those who knock will find the door opened. So how do we begin this pursuit of acquiring wisdom? The theme of Proverbs was heard in our scripture lesson today. Proverbs 1, verse 7, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. I looked at some paraphrases. They put it in slightly different words. How does a person become wise? The first step is to trust and reverence the Lord. Start with God. The first step in learning is bowing down to God. It goes back to those means of grace we talk about all the time within the church, those spiritual disciplines that help us to grow closer to God and to know God's mind and character and attributes and will. Route 66, reading the Bible, spending time contemplating God's Word, entering into this conversation with the Holy Spirit, a prayer, gathering in worship, a fellowship where we share with one another what's going on in our lives, a gathering in a mission trip where you work side by side. All of these ways and more help us learn who God is and how God calls us to live. Some of you may have read uh, Malcolm Gladwell's book, Outliers, in which he popularized uh, the 10,000-hour rule. In the book, he says that scientists are now proving what scholars, athletes, musicians have known for a long time, practice makes perfect. And one study revealed it takes about 10,000 hours of practice to excel in any given discipline, to have a world-class mastery. Now, obviously, for some of these disciplines, you've got to have some talent to begin with, but the talent alone is useless without the practice. 10,000 hours is a lot of time. To put it in perspective, if you spend one hour a day practicing a discipline, 365 days a year, it will take you 27 years to attain mastery. And it describes people who have excelled in their given fields. Freddie Freeman, Matthew Stafford, Venus Williams, Meryl Streep, Al Pacino, 
Luke Bryan's, Celine Dion, Penn and Teller, the list goes on. These people invested the time in order to excel in what they do. How much more important is it for us to invest time into God's word, in exploring God's will, and to attaining wisdom in our lives? Here again, the theme of Proverbs that we will explore in the next weeks. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. One of my favorite sayings puts that same sentiment in a slightly more prosaic way. Life is tough, but it's a lot tougher if you're stupid. Wise or foolish, which would you rather be? Let's pray. Gracious God, you cry out to us. You call to us. You want to impart wisdom in our lives. And yet there are oftentimes we would rather live in ignorance and to live according to the world's rules rather than discovering your will and way in our lives. Teach us. Help us to understand there is a way that seems right to us, but whose end is in death. And the very scriptural principles that seem counterintuitive are what lead to life, abundant life, and everlasting life. Allow us the grace and the discipline to attain wisdom in our lives. In Christ's name we pray it. Amen.